This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Welcome back in. You were listening to the January 19th, 2018 Conference Championships edition of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a road of his podcast dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. I am your host, Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe, and joining me today on the show is a contributor here at The Viz and also over at Roto Underworld. Welcome to the show, Hassan Rahim, the NFL Playoff Dinner Man. Find him on the tweets at HRR5010. It is great to have you on the Mailbag Show. Hassan, what's good, man? Hey, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me on the mailbag. Uh, I'm a really big fan and I'm really excited uh, to be on. Now, you're going to have to give me the lowdown here, Hassan. So what's the NFL playoff dinner man all about? I, I can tell you right now, you know, I got a little too too crazy with the kids here. I got four. like Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Life is just crazy on my neck of the woods, right? So like my favorite part of the day unfortunately is dinner so i think you're like right up my alley here oh hell yeah um so the whole dinner man thing uh was a bit of a joke that uh i started with my wife uh, a few years ago we were uh we live in pittsburgh and so we were going out to eat uh, a fair amount at a lot of these swanky new restaurants because uh the uh restaurant industry here was really booming and so i just sort of changed my uh twitter handle to just good dinner man uh when i had like 60 followers or whatever as a, as a joke between me my wife and like the porn bots that follow me and so uh <laughs> it was just a joke for myself and i just have been too lazy to really sort of change it now i'm afraid i just can't it's been like three and a half years and so i just sort of changed the uh the two uh, the words right before dinner man just to stay topical and you know, we're in the midst of NFL playoffs, as you said. Uh, you know, it's a little bittersweet. Uh, the season's winding down to uh, a close, but uh, I guess it's my way of saying, hey, we had a pretty, uh, we, we made it through the 2017 uh, season. Very good, very good. Well, we got the NFL playoff dinner man and very most likely the NFL playoff dessert man on this side. So we got a good pair here to answer all the fantasy questions for the week regarding dynasty trades, player outlooks, uh, redraft Super Bowl, almost to the Super Bowl takes here. I, I should say playoff takes here. Uh, DFS hits, you name it. But before we dive right in, Hassan, you've been a little bit busy here. The, the fantasy season is, is over, but that doesn't mean our lives are over here. Some air yard dude, he was on the show last week and 
he made a case for Amari Cooper for next year. And you also built a strong foundation for, for buying on said Mr. Cooper. So help us understand why we aren't going to buy on Amari and once again, potentially be overshadowed by one Michael Crabtree. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, earlier this season, as you know, I was writing the uh, Bilo report and I, and I kind of continued to doubt uh, Amari Cooper uh, multiple weeks. Uh, it didn't really work out, which is a bit of a bummer. Uh, actually, the uh, aforementioned Air Yards guy, uh, Josh Hermsmeyer, pretty much called the uh, Kansas City Chiefs explosion. I remember going to his, tw- uh, pulling up his Twitter feed uh, at Frisco Josh, and he was he had this long tweet thread about Amari Cooper and how he was going to go off against the KC defense. And so I was like, oh, what the hell? I'm already pretty much eliminated in this one league where I made Amari my wide receiver one. Might as well plug him in and see what happens. And lo and behold, that that 44-point explosion happened. But um, to what you mentioned about me still being high on Amari and why we want to buy him may make me sound a little bit of an like a radical Amari truther. So uh, <laughs> here goes nothing. Um, so when I was... Uh, Reading Ben Gretsch's Stealing Signals, he uh, made a note that was actually really fascinating about Amari and possibly playing through injury. He noted uh, that, um, Ben noted that Amari was on every Wednesday's injury report with a knee issue. And that, uh, you know, info comes courtesy of Rotoworld. And then every Thursday practice, uh, he was then upgraded to full. And then when you couple that with the fact that Amari missed a good chunk of practice time in August, you're looking at someone who is likely not healthy for the first half of the season. The first time, I believe he was not on the, he didn't do the Wednesday limited, Thursday full cycle, was actually week eight against the Chiefs. And that was when he completely blew up. And so just to see if there was any proof behind this, I turned to the road of his screener and I was, uh, you know, I looked for uh, Adamari's yards per target over the first seven weeks of uh, 2017. And I noticed that they were way lower than they were in 2015 or 2016. His yards per target were 6.1 in 2017 through the first seven weeks. And his career average ranges from about 8.3 to 8.8 yards per target. Um, after week eight, he actually averaged uh, 8.5 yards per target. And even if you remove his um, the week eight explosion, Amari's yards per target over the the rest of the season was around 9.9. So you're looking at, in my opinion, a guy who truly was limited for the first half of the season. You know, sure, you spent a ridiculously high draft pick on him, but you're buying a guy who was hurt and played hurt and played through injury for most of the season. Um, something else that I actually dug up about Amari uh, was, you know, way back in week one, the Titans. The Ra- uh, against the Titans, the Raiders were just hell-bent on feeding Amari in the red zone. It's that's actually kind of impressive given that we know Amari's never been this big red zone guy. They don't really go to him in the red zone. But, you know, like the like the, the Raiders were hell-bent on targeting Amari when they were inside the 10. Uh, ben Gretsch actually has this chronicled, again, in Stealing Signals, where he noted that Amari saw four targets from inside the 10 in week one alone against the Titans. Unfortunately, he only saw four more targets inside the 10 for the rest of the season, and that was about 80% of all of his red zone target share. And again, so you're looking at a guy who is now seeing significant increase in his red zone, in his uh, usage, that's just essentially like a, you know, first down away from a TD. And so if he starts adding that to his uh, arsenal in the long run, you're looking at a guy who is going to who can now not only score on splash plays, but just because of the sustained volume you're going to see from inside the 10, he can score from there as well. 
Good stuff there. We're going to follow the volume. We're going to follow the, the late season trends there. And uh, we're going to go back to it. Now, uh, Doug Baldwin, Baldwin here is another guy that you wrote as a buy here. Uh, he wasn't necessarily hampered per se, but it was maybe the offense and the style of play that hampered him. Uh, what do you see for Doug Baldwin next year as well? Uh, I mean, so Baldwin's kind of just the same guy. He's like significantly above the average uh in terms of racer at like all depth, so he's re- really efficient at like change uh, at like converting air yards to receiving yards. Uh, you know, he led the Seahawks in targets, target share, air yards, market share of air yards, just anything you name it, he did. And this was despite the increased competition from Jimmy Graham, Paul Richardson, and Tyler Lockett. And he still saw an increase in his target share, so that's ridiculously impressive. Uh, I think kind of what happened with Doug this year was just a drop off in his efficiency. That's just how it goes. I mean, he he was living on this just extreme efficiency on one end, and it was it was bound to dip. And you know, also that offense just sort of was fairly putrid. And he and you know, we know targets are the lifeblood of fantasy scoring. And when your targets dry up, your fantasy scoring dries up. And if you look at the game splits app, uh, Doug Baldwin, when he saw six or more targets, was averaging 16 PPR points per game. And when he didn't, he was around the nine. PPR points per game mark. So, really, with uh, with Graham and Richardson set to hit free agency next season, there'd be a few more targets for Baldwin to go around. And sure, he may never be as efficient as he was the last two seasons, but he's still a ridiculously good receiver and a possible WR one in Seattle. And we know that that run game just may get better, maybe not. The O line needs to improve. I we don't know, but just. We've seen Doug Baldwin do it two seasons in a row, so take a take a flyer on him, I guess, and buy him cheaply if someone's looking to sell. Sounds good. And you also wrote a couple draft profiles here as of late. Uh, James Washington was one, and forgive me for potentially botching uh, botching this. Uh, Kiki Kute. Uh, I'm not an NFL or a college guy here, so if I did botch that, apologies here. But uh, give us your 30 second elevator pitch on these guys. Sure thing. So James Washington won the Blitnikoff Award. He uh, went over a thousand yards his uh, last three seasons, and he also had uh, the best game as a freshman since uh, one Des Bryant uh, in for Oklahoma State. So you're looking at a guy who's ridiculously well accomplished. I, scouts have him pegged as a uh, first day uh, type of guy. So you know, so you're looking at a guy who's probably going to go fairly high in rookie drafts, and I'm I'm, I'm pretty pretty high on him. He seems to be uh, you know, he's a, he's a Bletnikoff winner. He's a, ostensibly the best wide receiver in this class. Um, Kiki QT, uh, is someone who I actually also didn't know how to pronounce the name, so I had to look him up on a highlight YouTube video. His name sort of just <laughs> popped when, when, when I was doing research. Kuti, I said Kute. I was close. <laughs> you were so close. And, and believe me, I had no idea how to pronounce it. I was like, Kika, what? I don't know. And so I looked up a YouTube highlight video and it was awesome. So this kid played with Pat Mahomes, um, he really broke out as a sophomore, and you know, and we and we all know Pat Mahomes is no longer in college, but he played. Uh, and 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 uh, Kiki QT went to his junior year without Pat Mahomes, but he's just managed to improve all of his uh, raw production metrics. I mean, he's one of the top receivers in 2017. I believe he was added to the Belitnikov semifinalist. Uh, I mean, to the Belitnikov watch list mid-season, and he ended as a semifinalist. So he's fairly talented. He's really, really interesting because he was a prolific receiver at Texas Tech with and without Pat Mahomes. And on top of that, he's very, very young. He's a true junior, and he's probably one of the youngest wide receivers in this class. He's also performed really, really well 
in uh, in special teams, and he probably could be a late day two, early day three kind of guy. And I think he's flying like low enough under the radar, and as long as he doesn't pick up hype, you're looking at someone who a fourth round rookie draft pick could actually you could probably pick him up for that. Damn it, Hassan. See, this this right here is why I contribute to Rotoviz. This right here, now that the fantasy season is over, it is just beginning here at Rotoviz, on Rotoviz Radio, at rotoviz.com. We're going to get all the draft profiles, all of the player profiles, the productions, uh, you know, just everything that you can imagine. If you want an obscure guy coming out of right field uh, that can potentially produce and, and just shoot up draft boards, you're going to find it here at rotaviz.com. So make sure you take advantage of that 30% discount. Just go to rotaviz.com, click on the podcast homepage, and then from there you can click on that 30% discount. That is good for the calendric year, folks. So go on and take advantage of that. And if you would be so kind, support the pod, subscribe to it, and rate it on iTunes, uh, Rotoviz Radio. You can also subscribe again to the Fantasy Football Mailbag uh, Radio channel directly. Would very much appreciate that. And if you have any questions that you want answered on the show, email us at rotovizradio at gmail.com and we'll go ahead and get those answered for you as well. All right, Asan, let's get into the QQs for the week. Here we go. The first one up is DFS. Is it too cute to fade Tom Brady in this hideous two-game slate this weekend? And what about Gronkowski? Uh, I actually think that you could stack them both uh, and then just be willing to sort of just go for a game stack and then just run it back with all the Jags. So you throw in Fournette, you throw in, you know, all the low price receivers because like all the, the, the Jags wide receivers are fairly cheap. Uh, so I don't think it's uh, too cute. I mean, you're looking at a, like a two game slate, like you said, you got to get a little bit crazy to, to win and, and maybe just an average game by Brady. You could probably uh, he's the he's the most expensive QB on the slate. Maybe you could save the salary and uh, find someone else. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there. I mean, I don't know how many people are actually playing cash games on this slate, but I'd imagine there are enough degenerates out there that are. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty tough to to fade Brady and cash. Um, but to your point, I mean, there are some salary savings that you need to make somewhere. So, uh, but yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's been a while since we even saw New England uh, this slow from a total point perspective. We've got the news on his hand there. So I, I, does that scare you off Brady at all? I guess I'm just going to wait to see what happens to, uh, on Friday practice just to see what he does. Uh, the, the pivot, if you're really looking to save, uh, could you could make that at Gronk, uh, just sort of go naked Brady. And instead of playing Gronk, you could go all the way down and uh, – not all the way down in tight end and like really punt the position, but if you're looking for a little bit of production, uh, with hopefully not that much ownership, uh, Kyle Rudolph might be an interesting pivot just because it looks like Philadelphia kind of really do struggle against tight ends that are typically used as receivers. I, I, I'm not too sure. It might just be one of those things where I'm making up because I want it to be true because there's just, you know, it's just like you said, like lineup construction is so gross, but maybe 
that's a way to go. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and and another question we have a couple couple points down is also about Bortles um, because it's basically 5K on DraftKings here. Uh, basically, the question is hard for Bortles to not hit value at 5K, um, knowing everybody's going to be on Brady. So Bortles basically becomes a leverage play, you know. So this question is, how much over the field would you go with a guy like Bortles? So this is interesting. So you could potentially you could fade Brady still play Gronk because they're they're all in bad spots right from a tight tight end positional standpoint there so you just take the best one and that would be Gronk and then you could save the you know the $2000 or so to get down to Bortles and it's it's ugly uh, but I mean, if you, if you think the running backs are going to get the production in New England, and if you think Gronk is going to get the production from the receivers, you're essentially capturing all the Brady production through his, uh, tributaries, I guess. And that way you can get the savings with Bortles and, and, you know, get up. So I, this is really, I'm just not playing cash because I'm a, I'm a save at QB guy. Um, I, I did well last week. I, I actually went all in on Brady, but just because it's just the way the slate worked out that you knew there was opportunity cost. This week, I don't think there's as much opportunity cost because I'm not envisioning as many points to be scored. So I, I basically, you know, like I can see Case Keenum in the mid range, but for me, it's either am I going with Brady or not? And if I'm not going Brady, I'm just going to take the leverage and go, go balls out with Bortles. Balls out with Bortles. That should. There's the show title right there. I don't think I'm going to get that one approved, Hassan. But you know, there we are. And actually, we should run with balls out with Bortles, if only because uh, Leonard Fournette was uh, limited again uh, today in practice, and it was pretty well documented just how stark his splits were against the Steelers uh, before and after he uh, suffered uh, that he re-injured his ankle. So who knows? Maybe just throw Bortles in there. Just maybe really hope that like Fournette's ankle is not going to do too great. And you're just looking at this dude who is the only quote unquote dual threat on the quarterback we got on the slate because like all three of the other guys are statues. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. All right, balls out. Here we go. We are actually doing this, and uh, I, I actually don't hate it. I think I think it's actually a good play given the texture of this slate. Hassan, what's been your biggest tilt of the season, whether it was season-long, Dynasty, DFS, you name it? In all honesty, I think everything Dodd Gurley was my biggest tilt. Um, in, in the leagues that I was fortunate to make the finals in, I lost to Dodd Gurley. Or I lost with Todd Gurley. I don't know how that one happened. You, you, you answered me. I had Todd Gurley on my team and I lost. Uh, I'm with you, Hassan. I had Todd Gurley on my team and I lost as well. I, I don't get it. Some things will never make sense to me. Um, you know, it, it, the only thing I can say is we ran into the buzzsaw of the week. You don't play Todd Gurley and lose because the other team didn't have a good week. I mean, clearly you ran into the other running backs and, and you know, it's just, we, what are you going to do? There's, there's nothing you can do except cry, shower cry, like like I did as well. That was definitely my biggest tilt as well, Hassan. But uh, the next one here, we have Dynasty. I feel like I already missed a boat on selling Mark Ingram this year since I didn't end up being a true contender. Is he still a sell despite his lowered usage toward the end of the year and in the playoffs, or do I need to hang on and hope for something to raise his stock? 
you're kind of just uh, hanging on here. I, uh, I I wrote that you know people should be looking to sell, and we just kind of uh, and I, one of the things I noted in my in my piece was that Mark Ingram's more game script dependent than than he kind of lets on, and we kind of saw that come into play really during the playoffs, right? Like they just sort of kept, just basically were like, nah, we don't really need you. But you know, going into next season, you're looking at a guy who's still running behind one of the top three O lines in the league. Uh, I don't know if Alvin Kamara is going to continue maintaining this monstrous efficiency and just scoring all those TDs on such reduced usage. And, you know, early in the season, maybe if like Mark Ingram has one of those monster games, that's when you unload. You just say, look, this is a top three or top four back in the NFL right now. Give me whatever I want and make and have them make you that godfather offer. Good call there. Uh, next one, also Dynasty. I drafted a bunch of O.J. Howard and David Njoku this past offseason as I had a bunch of picks in the end of the first, and I also pegged them both above Evan Ingram. Oops, do I need to try and package these guys up for something better or hold off and hope for their offense to get them more involved? This one, this one's tough. I took a, a little bit of both of these tight ends as well, and I also had them above Evan Ingram here. Uh, pretty, pretty erroneous there based on the usage we saw with Ingram. So, you know, the situation in Cleveland here, Tampa Bay, I mean, yeah, this is why we just don't like drafting tight ends early. Yeah, and... I also drafted Njoku as well uh, in my rookie drafts. And uh, in one of my favorite rookie drafts, I took him uh, at the 111, at the 112. Uh, some guy called Alvin Kamara was taken, so that was a good call by me. Uh, <laughs> every, everyone involved can be uh, pretty happy about that one. Uh, but in all honesty, we we know tight ends take, take a while to develop. And, and Njoku and Howard are like just two stellar, stellar prospects. Uh, Howard actually seemed to come on down this, uh, on down the stretch in Tampa Bay, he was clearly running ahead of Cam Brate. Um, Njoku is kind of interesting because there's been rumors that Cleveland could ship off Corey Coleman, which should open up some target share for David Njoku. Maybe they are actually going to look to get Njoku involved in the passing game, in which case he becomes, you know, very, very intriguing, uh, not only as a dynasty asset, but also a re- redraft target next season. And I think uh, Evan Ingram was kind of fortunate in that. Uh, I guess it's, uh, you know, when OBJ went down, they just had all these targets and no one to throw to. And he sort of seemed to cool off down the stretch. So I would say you just sort of hold, or if you're really looking to sell them, you're going to have to sell them for uh, for a kind of a premium-ish, premium-ish pick, trying, trying to at least recoup that, that rookie pick or where you drafted them. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. I'm, I'm hanging on to these guys. I, you know, you, you drafted them where you didn't want to draft them because of what you were comparing them against in the draft. So now granted, of course, the likes of Kareem Hunt and Alvin Kamara went up boards, but you know, outside of them, there was a reason why these guys were late first from a dynasty rookie perspective. So you're hanging on to these guys because these guys are going to be elite tight ends. Uh, as soon as they have, um, coaches that get them the football. Uh, we saw O.J. Howard start to get the football. David Njoku, on the other hand, Huey Louie. Moving on. Uh, DFS. Uh, no, we took care of that one. We're going to move on to another dynasty here. Last week, you talked about Juju and compared him to Antonio Brown, somewhat hedging your bet on him versus Antonio Brown. I get what you were trying to say, so how much would you pay for him? I can't seem to buy him for uh, just a first-round pick as I'm not projected in the top three. Uh, so, yeah, son, basically last week I said Juju is you know, a, a top five 
five type of uh, rookie dynasty pick, and that's where I would take Juju. Uh, if it was a one dot two, I'd I'd take the one dot two. Um, but I, you know, Juju, this is tough, right? Like the more I think about this. I don't see how Pittsburgh can keep both Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown for years to come if they still want to manage a roster salary cap in the National Football League. One of these guys just can't be there for the money they both deserve. So either one of those guys doesn't end up in Pittsburgh or Ben Rod ends up moving on in, in a few years. And I granted, I just, I'm overpaying for Juju. I could be off on this, Hassan. Tell me I'm off, but I think Juju is just the type of guy that the ceiling is immense with this guy. If there ever becomes any type of window of opportunity, he is immediately the type of wide receiver that becomes top five. Nah, you, you know, you hit the nail right in the head there. If, 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 I mean, like right now, Bell essentially is functioning as the WR2, or I guess if you really want to be more, like, really give Bell some props, call him the WR1B in that offense, really. Cause I mean, like, did you see him against Jacksonville? Like, amazing. The, the guy functions phenomenally as a receiver. And if he leaves Pittsburgh or if Pittsburgh decided to not resign him, that's a massive amount of target share that's opened up. And, you know, like you said, Juju is just this freak just this phenom and he's so so young i honestly i think uh you know going over the the the, just looking over our draft you know prospect analysis stuff i think i would slot juju comfortably ahead of every wide receiver in this class comfortably Mm -hmm. you know i mean i just think everyone got it fairly wrong in their pre-draft analyses about him last year and so he just tumbled down rookie boards for it you know like you're, you're looking at a guy who is able to you know, when Brown was out, he just produced like a true wide receiver one alpha dog. Yeah, and, and if you overpay for Juju and he doesn't live up to the expectations or you end up having to wait that three years for him to live up to that hype, um, it's fine because he still comes with the floor contextually as, as you know, it, at least uh, a low-end wide receiver too who's still going to produce and, and put up points for you. So it's not like you over pay for juju and he just he busts out like that's that's not within the range of outcomes at this time <laughs> unless there's some sort of injury of course which we're not going to try to discuss on that one so yeah i i i'm still overpaying for him here hassan what's uh, your fantasy football f- uh, your favorite fantasy football memory uh probably where i won uh, uh one of the the first time i ever won a league was a, was a couple of years ago i haven't been playing fantasy for very long so the first time i won it, it meant a lot to me and uh, I still remember this only because uh, it was Julio Jones uh, just mashing Josh Norman. Uh, do you remember that? Like from a few mm-hmm. years ago where, oh, yeah. where everyone was like, oh, you, you know, like Julio in the playoffs. It was week 16 against the Carolina Panthers. And it was like, you know, Josh Norman. And Josh Norman was this like, quote unquote, like Julio Jones stopper or whatever. And uh, Julio just sunned him. He just destroyed the Falcons. And, I mean, sorry, he destroyed the Panthers, and you know, like ever since then, I think just I've, I've I've just been a really huge Julio Jones fan, and it's all thanks to that one play that won me my playoff in a pretty nice size spot. Yeah, that was that was one for the ages right there. Oh man, 200 yards up against Carolina at the time, and I'm the fish who was not on Julio in GPP. Uh, DFS, who can I trust a wide receiver to provide a punt source of value so I can afford to pay for other positions? Not shooting for the moon, but just trying to get a few catches and some yards. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, given the context of this slate here. Uh, where can we just kind of 
get a smidgen of some production here for cheap? Uh, sure. For the absolute stone minimum, uh, 3K on DraftKings, uh, you could probably look at Jarius Wright. Uh, yes, he saw yes. he saw a little bit of work last week. Yeah, and my Michael Floyd did not practice today. I don't know if he plays on Sunday. So you're looking at a 3K punt. Uh, you've got Andrew Sandejo, uh, who is that how you pronounce his name? He is still in the concussion protocol. It's looking likely he might make it, but you never know with the, with the concussion protocol and just the joke that it is. So he he might be a late scratch. If that happens, you're looking probably at like Nelson Aguilar. For the savings, and you could probably, and if you really, really want to be like contrarian, maybe Alshon Jeffrey. Oh man, we we are on the same page here because I know everybody. You, I think you're gonna need one of these three K crappers to pay up. I just, I think you're punching away one of these wide receiver positions this week, given the slate. I'm, I'm, that's where I'm at anyway. And my initial reaction was to go to Torrey Smith here. And, and I get why you go to Torrey Smith, but Jarius Wright got involved in the offense. He looked good in, in slate. Wise, you know, if people are expecting the run game and, and the passes to the running backs from New England, that means wide receiver wise are going to be trying to get either, uh, Thielen or Diggs. And so then you're, you're getting the, the, the leverage off of Thielen and Diggs. You're getting the leverage off the guys that go to Torrey Smith and, and you're there for Jarius Wright. And it might not even be sexy, but he could get you three catches and 60 yards or maybe 50 yards and, and just be fine. And I think they're going to need like two game slate you got two stout defenses going up against one another this is where a player like him just simply has to get involved in the game so ow maybe you can bust out on us Hassan but that's exactly where my head was as well so thanks very much for making me push my chips in on Jerry's freaking right yeah let's just let's just do it and be legends man <laughs> Moving on, Dynasty, just when the Colts move on from another terrible coach, Jim Irsay comes out and says he wants to spend an early round pick on a running back. I get this draft is loaded, but he must still be listening to the Grateful Dead on repeat. What does this do to Marlon Mack's chances, and would you even want to draft the running back that lands in Indy? What say you? I guess it kind of depends on Frank Gore. Does he finally hang them up, or is he just going to outproduce and just sort of be that RB2 type? for eternity um with marlon mack you're, you're kind of looking at a guy who i think uh profiles pretty much of the change of pace kind of guy i love him trying to get him around the last rounds of best ball leagues if only because he provides those spike weeks from your depressed adp that you need one or two of those and you're golden in your in your best ball drafts uh we don't know what his usage will look like even if frank core retires and they go into the draft and take up take a highly touted rookie rb we don't know if they're going to continue with the uh you know marlin back continues as a, as a change of pace guy i don't know if he'll ever be a three down kind of kind of workhorse so i genuinely don't know what to do with the rb that lands in india and it kind of depends on the talent profile and and i guess it just sort of depends as we move along the move along the prospect uh, evaluation and what their opportunity looks like yeah, I, I, I mean, it, whoever goes to Indy is going to get usage and volume at this point. If Frank Gore is not there, it seems like they're going to move on from Frank Gore. He is a free agent. Are they really going to re-sign him at this point where they can get a rookie for for comparable money there? So I, you, you kind of don't have a choice but to take him. But, you know, just for Jim Irsay, I, I just hope whoever they take, maybe I won't take him. That way I can just guilt-free 
root for that person to be the next Trent Richardson. That's what I want. Just for, you know, him pushing his chips in on another early round running back like a dupe. Uh, which brings us to more running backs here, Asan. Fuck Mary Kale for the week. We've got the Patriots backfield in DFS this weekend. Deion Lewis, James White, and Rex Burkhead. Uh, where are you going here? Yeah, this is actually a really interesting question. Uh, I guess you'd probably want to marry James White, if only because, sure, he kind of has that weirdo, like the his usage is kind of weird uh, with both Lewis and, and Burkhead active. But again, we've seen him pre- perform unlimited touches. Hopefully the Burkhead news keeps his uh, ownership down. So you're looking at a guy who I think has a similar-ish range of outcomes as Rex Burkhead, who is who I would decide to fuck. If only because I think, uh, you know, that's sort of how you attack this Jags defense is with these mobile uh, RBs who can catch passes and just sort of how they line them up uh, all along the uh, the line of scrimmage. Both Burkhead and White uh, should be definitely in your roster, which makes Dion Lewis uh, and his insanely high price tag, unfortunately, a kill. He was an absolute mensch last week for me uh, in DFS, and it's probably one of the saddest things I've had to say is just killing him in it for DFS this week, but I'd rather roll with the pass catchers against the Jags D. Yeah, I'm with you 100% of the way here. You need some salary savings. You got to get it. You know James White's going to be involved in the pack in, in the passing game somehow, some way. Uh, Rex Burkhead, you know, sure, he can get involved and do some of that stuff, but he's also coming off the injury, so maybe he gets a little bit less involved here. So, yeah, I'm with you 100%. And we're answering all of your questions this week with Hassan Rahim at HRR5010, the NFL dinner man, here on Road of His Radio's The Fantasy Football Mailbag. Hey, Road of His fans, Jeremy Hart, Road of His Radio. You are still able to get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. A subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content, and it also supports the pod. Whether it's the Dynasty ADP app, or the Dynasty Trade Calculator, or the Box Score Scout, or the Running Back Prospect Lab, and the Prospect Heat Map, in-depth rookie prospect analysis at every single position, Dynasty mock drafts with analysis, and of course, the acclaimed Rotoviz screener app and Freak Score Calculator. All of these apps, tools, and analysis is available, again, for a 30% discount, which is applied for the calendar year, so it's not too late to get a head start on winning your championship. Also, be sure to subscribe to and rate the Rotoviz radio channel on iTunes. If you like what we do, that's great because we certainly love doing it. Go ahead and help us find new listeners and hit that rate button out there on iTunes. Again, I'm Jeremy Hart with Rotoviz Radio. Go ahead and take advantage of a 30% discount through the Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Jumping right back in here, Hassan. Playoffs, which side are you on with the Vikings-Eagles game? The public seems to be on the Vikings here, but only three-point road favorite seems a little bit tough. 
Yeah, this is one game that I just genuinely don't know what to uh, really expect from uh, going forward. Uh, the uh, total for Minnesota is kind of ticked up uh, about a quarter of a point and uh, sticked up almost a full point for the Eagles. So you're looking at a game total that's gone from 37.5 to 38.5. And, a half. and uh, like, there's just, I, I don't know what to do because, like, the Eagles is a home dog. Is this just, like, the Nick Foles effect? You know, like, is there, a, you know, like, the Vikings do a really good job of limiting RBs. And I don't know if Foles is going to be capable in really attacking uh, the Vikings. But can they cover? I genuinely don't know. Maybe we'll just go with Fade the Public and I'll take the Eagles. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I mean, against the spread, I don't I don't know. I mean I just I hate seeing the Vikings not in Minnesota. Like you can see this thing get flipped upside down, but but to your point, I don't know where. I don't know how it would get flipped upside down unless it is somehow, some way the aforementioned Tory Smith. But I just, I, I don't, I don't see how the Eagles are going to be able to attack here. I, I could see a good game from Jay Ajayi, I guess, but. Yeah, I, I'll still take the Vikes here and feel like a fish doing so, but it's more, I, I guess, I don't know, I'm rooting for the Vikings. I'm a Bears guy, Asan, and I'm, I'm still taking and rooting for the Vikings here, only because I really, really, really want to see the Vikings-Jaguars Super Bowl, uh, just because, you know, we've been talking about that for a few weeks now, just some elite stellar defenses here, and, uh, you know, just rising to the top. So that's, that's the way I'm going here. Uh, what about, uh, for Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs? Who are you using in DFS? I, I, I want to say both, but I, I guess that's really not an option. Um, and, and I'm really, really lost if only because I love both. I want to say Diggs if only because he's cheaper on DraftKings and uh, more so than just recency bias. But, you know, the fact that he's cheaper allows you to save a little bit of cash and probably find some more optimal plays. But Ian Harty's over at Fantasy Labs notes, you know, like his Diggs has fairly stark uh splits when he's playing in a dome versus playing on grass so that kind of is slowing me down a little bit and then you got Thielen who just popped up on the injury report earlier today I believe he was limited in practice uh, and at $7,400 being limited in practice you know unless we get some positive news on uh, on Friday uh, I, I find it hard rostering Thielen over Diggs uh, but you know, if 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 he is uh, going to be 100% healthy, maybe I'll just still go with Diggs, if only because I really need the savings because this slate pricing is so tough. Yeah, I'm with you there, all for the savings. And I mean, shame on anyone that that said Stefan Diggs is no longer a guy in Minnesota. It's all feeling. I get it, but you know, this guy's always hurt. And if you're hurt and you got these types of, um, you know, non-bone injuries, it's going to take you a while to get back into form here. I don't know how much truthfully I can put behind the splits there on the turf and non-turf. I mean, we may as well just say home and away at that point. Um, yeah, give me give me digs here and the savings. Uh, Sam, what's been your most embarrassing moment you dare to share with RV Nation? Yeah, I'll actually go with uh, keeping the fantasy theme on this one. And it's a sort of, it, there were a bunch of really embarrassing moments. And it sort of came with uh, when I was writing the Bilo report. In my intro Bilo report column, I said, oh, it's just sell Kareem Hunt because, you know, like there's so much hype on him. We haven't even seen him play a game yet. You could probably just sell that. Andy Reid RB narrative and get a 
ridiculously good wide receiver back, someone like a DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you know, week one came around and he scored 45 PPR points, punched me right in the mouth, and I didn't learn my lesson. So in week one, I said, go right back to the well and please sell Kareem Hunt again. And he came out and did it again. <laughs> lesson le- lesson learned. And in week two, I said, oh, uh, you know, uh, sell Todd Gurley. That was, uh, that was uh, I mean, you know, just sell the RB1, the best overall player in fantasy, if only because... I think there was a blip or something uh, in one of their uh, games. And that, if you did that, and I really apologize if you lost your league. You know what? I mean, there is a reason why the best of the best of the best from a ranking and projection standpoint are 56% accurate. Because this shit ain't checkers, it's chess. And uh, we're going to get some wrong. You know, that's that's what we do. Um but, uh, yeah, what, what are you going to do? I mean, I was, uh, I wasn't, there was no way I was drafting Kareem Hunt in the third round, guys. Just forget about it. It wasn't happening. So if, if kudos to you, if you paid the premium for Kareem Hunt and it worked out for you, uh, it just wasn't me. Um, Dynasty, what are you expecting from the Carolina Panthers offense next season? Now that we know who the coaches are, they didn't exactly build a Norv Turner, Turner style wide receiver corpse. So are my Curtis Samuel shares dead? And what do you think they'll do in the draft? Wait, like, uh, didn't like the Panthers just hire the entire Norv Turner family as their coaches? <laughs> I mean, they're all going to have matching sweaters. It's going to be so cute, Hassan. Everybody's just going to uh, – I, I wonder if they have a handshake. Is there like a Turner handshake that everybody's got? Are we Are we even doing uh, – I mean, like I know we've been seeing a lot of like retreads, but this is the first time I've just seen a, an entire family just wholesale get a job with an NFL team as their, <laughs> as their, as their uh, coaches. That's pretty impressive. I mean, could, could you imagine if I could show up to my job tomorrow and just say, hey, my my dad needs a job, you know, he's not doing too hot right now, but, you know, he's, you know, he, he just deserves a shot. And uh, my brother, you know, he can, he can, he can help out in some capacity as well. I think, you know, the hearts can really take over the Carolina Panthers here and do, I'm not going to say they're going to do a better job of the Turner family here, but... FFS, as the kids say here, Hassan. I mean, crying out loud, I'm going to just stop tilting the just the good old boys here and get back to the question because I digress. Yeah. I really hope that this offense becomes slightly more dynamic. It's, it's, It's refreshing to see Christian McCaffrey being used more so as a receiver. And I think Curtis Samuel... As a receiver slash running back hybrid, similar to what a you know Christian McCaffrey part two could be, would be really fascinating to see him deployed in, in such a respect. I don't know if Norv is the guy to do that. Maybe his son is. I don't know. One you, of those guys have to has to be like a visionary, right? I mean, you didn't hear Norv Turner likes to pass to his running backs. I I heard like a eye formation and i was just like oh no we're gonna get like 200 carries for christian mccaffrey to the tackles oh gosh i just i can't do this i can't do it freaking norv turner we're just gonna move on i don't know hey curtis samuel you know he got injured i think he's still got a future i think he's got a bright future i just don't know if the usage is going to be there now i i don't know i mean What's what's like? What's Norv gonna do now? Is he still gonna go out and get two six six guys on the perimeter um, to to catch jump balls when the rest of the league is getting into space now because it's easier? 
because you can't get contacted within the first five yards off the line. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> so you're I, saying they're going to draft Cortland Sutton first overall? Yes, yes, without a doubt. No, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I mean, they might just take him with their first round pick, and you would look like a uh, Nostradamus right there, fantasy Nostradamus for you all. <laughs> oh, it's better than a Turner Damas uh, dynasty again. What are the possible landing spots for Jarek McKinnon? And given the draft class, am I better off selling him to a truther while there is still an unknown? So Devin McIntyre in his Dynasty Bylow series, uh, his he wrote about Jarek McKinnon and the and the place that kind of stuck with me uh, that he mentioned I believe was the Tennessee Titans. Uh, if he becomes the lightning to the thunder of Derrick Henry, would be kind of fascinating, especially if uh, the Titans are finally willing to take their offense out of whatever exotic Smash Mouth was into the future. That would be uh, that would be really really fascinating, uh, if only because again. We haven't seen him really pair with a mobile quarterback, and he's just such an explosive play threat. I'm trying to think of other places where he would be used kind of like almost, and I feel like his usage uh, kind of like a Tariq Cohen-esque player would be intriguing, but I can't think of any other landing spots. What about yourself? Yeah, Tennessee sounds hot. It really does. And all, all the shit I was just giving Norv Turner and the coaching narrative, like, I'm sorry, I can't not get excited, I guess, about Josh McDaniels going to Tennessee. It, it, uh, has that happened yet? Is it going to happen? I don't know. Um, but I'm, I'm just a masochist, Hassan, and you know where Jarek McCannon is going to land. He's going to go to the team that just likes the spark guys no matter what, and that's Pete Carroll. And then we're all just going to cry because Jarek McKinnon and some other guy that I'm a truther for is already in that backfield. And then you got Carson and it just, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm a Jarek McKinnon truther and I feel like it's just going to end badly for me. If they bring back Christine Michael, we've got the all truther backfield in Seattle. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna acquire them all first round picks for everyone, and then I'm gonna get one of these guys right, and then they're all gonna get injured here. <laughs> all right, uh, Sam, what was the worst job you ever had? I don't really have many. Uh, I, like I wouldn't say I've really not enjoyed my uh, jobs, but I guess uh, I talk a little bit about fantasy writing, and we just were joking about the Turner family, and I think one of the things about being a fantasy writer is just sort of tearing your hair out when NFL GMs just go back to the well with these retread coaches as you know just this old boys club and i think that so i guess it's not really a worse job but really the worst part about fantasy writing would be just recovering these like coaches who are just retread hires i mean like cruden hasn't coached in close to a decade and he's back in the league and signed for you know a decade i don't know how that happens or like why we're not seeing more offensive creativity and i believe that that's one of the hardest things when you're a fantasy writer is just watching these you know athletes who we're really really excited for and just envisioning what their you know their usage should look like and all these crazy ideas in our head and you know we get north turner and we get you know hugh jackson and somehow marvin lewis not getting fired but instead getting extended just oh my god apparently the longer you stay away from the league the more money you get i guess that's how it works Oh, jeez. Uh, Dynasty, what do you <laughs> – this question is about, man, what do we make of the Seattle backfield next year? I think we already covered it. Uh, any Anything to cover on the Seattle backfield here, Hassan? 
if you somehow own CJ Procise and you're still on your roster, uh, just throw stash him on your taxi and then just like become an absolute truther like myself and <laughs> I believe you as well. Yep. I've still got all the Procise confirmed. Confirmed. Yeah, if I I'm, see him on, uh, if I see, if I see him hit free agency, I'm scooping him up, uh, just spending all my fab right there. I'm all in. Like it's just, I'm just so, so. Uh, I was drafting CJ Procise in like the fifth round of MFL tens last year. It was just that bad. <laughs> that is the epitome of trutherism right there, and I am still with you. I just, I, I get the whole Carson love. Like, fine, um, just get this kid healthy. Just get him healthy. This is it. All in 2018-19, CJ Procise. Uh, movie within a movie, take movie one's cast of characters, pick them up, move them into a completely different movie plot. What is the new movie and how does it play out? Yeah, so I sort of uh, thought about this for a little bit and I, and I was wondering what it would be like to uh, put people in the uh, Harry Potter series. And so bear with me on this one. So for... Pulp Fiction, but you're not going to take all the characters. You're just taking uh, Jules and I believe, I, I can't remember uh, the name of uh, John Travolta's character, but you're going to take both of those guys and they're going to become professors at Hogwarts. And we're going to start <laughs> with Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. And I just, I, for some reason, it's just ridiculously funny to me, like just where, uh, uh, you know, where Jules is the uh, defense against a dark arts teacher and they're trying to talk to him about like how to defend against Dementors. And you, you know, the, uh, what country are you from moment in Pulp Fiction, <laughs> but instead he's doing like, uh, so instead of the, uh, what does describe what Mar- Marcellus Wallace looks like instead of that, you're like, what does a Dementor look like? Does it look like a bitch? Like, I just think there's just something that's really funny about like Samuel L. Jackson yelling at 13 year old kids. Yeah. in a magic school to to me that just is just really funny to me i don't know why that would that would absolutely work out like and if they couldn't be the professors like i want to see them in their outfit from the end of pulp fiction well i shouldn't say it's the end the way they cut the film um in you know when they're in their beach clothes how about that basically and i just want to see the two of them go play kidditch like I just yeah. that has to happen. I I would love to see that. Or could you take the Harry Potter characters and put them in in the burger scene in the apartment? <laughs> uh, I mean, either way, I just think I just think there would be just something that's just really funny about mixing those two universes <laughs> together. You know, like. What do you, what do they call a butter beer in France? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it just seems like it would just work and just be kind of really off kilter and just this really oddball, funny way. Could Marcellus Wallace pull off Lord Voldemort? That doesn't work. Yeah, I guess it could, it could work. I don't, I don't know if he was quite antagonist enough, though. Like, you saw too much heart in him, right? At the end, I guess. I don't know. I'll, I'll move on. We were already spending too much time talking about Harry Potter and John Travolta and, and Samuel L. Jackson. But see, this is what we do because it's Friday. You ain't got no job. You ain't got to do. And it's the mailbag. So here we are with another Dynasty question. What do I do with John Ross? You're probably holding at this this point. I mean, we haven't seen anything of John Ross uh, to really suggest 
anything about this poor guy. I mean, like they, they took him 10th overall for a reason. And I think it's really an indictment of Marvin Lewis that he had no clue how to deploy this kid. You know, like he ran a 4-2-2 flat at the 40. And I don't know if that would truly translate into uh, an NFL level speed when the pads are on. But, you know, when you're looking at uh, next-gen stats, uh, a lot of guys who are considered to be the fastest ball carriers also coincidentally ran ridiculously fast 40 times, like Marquise Goodwin and Tyreek Hill. So, you know, like if you're trying to tell me that there's no space for a guy like John Ross in the league, I don't know if I can buy that. I mean, he's one of the very few players who really all you need is a sort of a check down slash slant, and he can take that to the house. And the fact that, you know, that Marvin Lewis had no clue how to deploy John Ross uh, is mind boggling to me, but also kind of not really, because this is the same guy who in 2015 had Sanu and Marvin Jones and AJ Green and somehow didn't resign any of those guys. Except for, you know, it's that they had AJ Green under contract. He also just doesn't understand. I guess, does he just not understand what wide receiver talent is or what a wide receiver is? That's a bit, that's a question I have for you. I'm just like gritting my teeth over here on the whole Marvin Lewis thing. Like, he didn't even play him. He didn't even give him a shot to like, play like i don't know like there were there were a couple injuries and then ross had like what a snap that week i, I don't even remember get a carry oh gosh i just yeah you, you gotta stay with john ross here hopefully marvin lewis can learn to be a little bit less like marvin lewis and he, yeah he's he's just got the the talent to be in the nfl and, and be a stretching wide receiver so i don't I don't know. Um, you you gotta you gotta you gotta sit on them because what are you gonna sell them for at this point? So you just hang tight, give it another season. I don't know, give it another two seasons. I mean, this is this is tough though. Like if you're in a 14 team league, like you're not holding on to John Ross at this point. Maybe you can sell him. Probably not. But yeah, we're talking 20 plus deep rosters. Then then yeah, you gotta hang on to Ross here. Uh, Hassan, if you can go anywhere, past, present, future, where or when would you go? I, I kind of just want to go, uh, it's similar to Josh uh, Hermsmeyer, I, I really just want to visit the future. I think it would be kind of cool to see what uh, everything looks like in uh, 500, 600 years. I'm hopeful that uh, it'll be a pretty cool place uh, 500, 600 years from now just to see where we will be. You know, that far down the line, hopefully, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that we'll make it there. And so I'm pretty stoked to uh, see what it looks like. You know what it looks like. It's going to be the offspring and the descendants of freaking Marvin Lewis and Norb Turner still coaching the NFL. Yeah, and, and for some odd reason, they're going to still be with the Carolina Panthers and the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals somehow. <laughs> they won't even change teams. It'll just, it'll just be the Turner family presents the Carolina Panthers. Without without a doubt, and and they're going to win eight games, eight or nine games, five hundred to the eternity. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Every single season for the next five hundred years. Oh my goodness! Bad teams stay bad. Yes, they do. All right. Last but not least, your conference championship NFL bold prediction. Uh, I was going to say something like, oh, the Jags plus nine or take the Jags money line over over the Patriots. But that spread seems to be shrinking. So I'm just going to go completely off the wall. I'm going to say that uh, Brady is a late scratch and it's going to be the Brian Hoyer show. 
And Brian Hoyer will actually throw for five touchdowns and walk the New England Patriots to a Super Bowl. And uh, let's go Hoyer mania for the next five years. Jimmy G who? <laughs> Can you imagine what, like, what is Bill Belichick doing right now? Uh, he's He's got a voodoo doll. Of of Robert Kraft, right? Like what's oh gosh, I'm just like giving credence to the to the Wickersham post now. <laughs> oh yeah, I, th- I I think it's really just uh, I think that we should take it to a more absurd uh, level, and I would just honestly say that uh, maybe Julian Edelman quarterbacks the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl, if that's the case. There you go. Or they can they can sign Doug Flutie. <laughs> <laughs> him as a kicker. He can throw some balls around. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? Oh, geez. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotovis podcast dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. If you have any questions you want answered on the RV Mailbag, we've got a couple weeks left yet for this season. Hit us up via email, rotovisradio at gmail.com, or on Twitter at rotovisradio. Use the hashtag RV Mailbag. Hassan, man, many thanks for carving out the time and coming on the show. Any uh, last-minute plugs here? Uh, no, thanks so much for having me on, Jeremy. And uh, I guess just sort of subscribe to the Viz. This really was when I started, uh, when I started my sub list time last year, and it may be a significantly superior dynasty player just by understanding how to build rosters and how to draft and how to value trades and all these other things that I didn't even know were a way to think about fantasy football. Fantastic. Yeah. And get over there on Twitter and hit that follow button at HRR5010 or 5010 or 5010. Any way you want to say it, but just make it happen. One of the brightest minds here at the Viz. Phenomenal content. I certainly enjoyed reading every single week this season. So, uh, stay tuned for this off season. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Mailbag, a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys, and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Terbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, 
a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.